that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Hello, and welcome to the Silver Screens Podcast. My name is Charles. Hi, I'm Chucky. So glad you could make it. The hosts are expecting you. Come play with us. Right this way to the dungeon. Please, watch your step and try not to trip over the corpses. I see dead people. You'll be joining the terrifying trio for tonight's talk. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Make yourselves comfortable on the couch right over there, and they'll be with you shortly. Oh, and one last thing. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. It's showtime. Scream Team, how you guys doing? Welcome to another episode of the Silver Screams Podcast, a podcast where three horror movie buffs watch scary movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Derek Schneider, and I am pleased, as always, to be joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Max Fosberg. Hi, Marlo. We're going to the disco tonight. And Kristen Marlowe. I want to go first next time. You know what I'm saying? Like, Max is dumb. Uh-uh. <laughs> How are we doing this evening, <laughs> you guys? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thank you for having us. Max, how you doing, buddy? Good as always. Yeah. Good as always. Yeah. Right. I am doing. You know, I gotta say, I'm. I think I'm just doing all right. Uh, I gotta love it with you guys. It felt really strange this morning. Our usual routine would have us, you know, meet in the mornings. You guys arrive. We get our mugs of Camp Crystal Latte coffee, and then we talk about all the horrific ways that naive American tourists can get tortured and dismembered. But. Thanks to my new work schedule, uh, we're recording in the evening, so I never really felt like I got my day off on the right foot. I mean, I tried talking about this movie with my coworkers, but weirdly, not everyone wants to hear about eyeballs dangling out of eye sockets while they're eating breakfast. Anyway, we're here now, and it's time for us to talk about a movie that I'm sure brought a huge smile to Christian's face, the 2005 Splatterfest known as Hostel. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you being the uh, queen of kills. Oh, I love it. Yeah. There's just... not even enough death in this movie, though. Wow. We need more. More death. Now, Kristen, I think out of the three of us, you're the only one who's actually been over to Europe. Why? Uh, was this film an accurate depiction of the backpacking life across the pond? <laughs> no. How many, how many slaughter dungeons did you have to escape from only when you were two. over there? No big deal. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think it's a a good depiction. At it's all. very it's very much like a parody, right? Like a like a stereotyped. Yeah. You don't go to it. the disco every night. Are you done? this podcast just started we know how this goes Uh, now this film was chosen for us by the dice to close out the month of june and really propel us into the summer of screams uh how are we feeling after this first month of it are films that we've watched throughout june i loved june not gonna lie june was a great fucking month for movies yeah really was four out of five love love june yes yeah four point two seven three loved that's what max always does in his Stupid scream scale. Yeah, I mean, we kicked it off strong with the cleansing hour. Uh, got to talk to Alex Angelus and Damien Levesque. That was such a fun episode. Yeah, went Spoiler right. Spoiler alert. I'm going to be ripping on Max. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just feeling it. 
prepare yourselves. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I think like going into this summer, like it's it's a very exciting time and especially an exciting time to be a horror fan, really, because uh, we have all these movies uh, that were slated to be released last year throughout. But because of the pandemic, everything, you know, shut down and all these movies were just sitting there waiting to be released. And so I think it created kind of like a f- open the floodgates kind of thing. Now that, you know, movie theaters are opening back up. All these movies are now getting released all at the same time. We've had some great horror movies get released into theaters. Uh, Max, I know just uh, a couple weeks ago, you guys covered uh, the new Conjuring movie on ETI. Yeah, we did. Uh, and I know this podcast, we kind of go into the past more than than uh, into the present uh, with, with new releases. But yeah, we, there was, what, a couple weeks there where it was Quiet Place 2 and then Maybe two weeks later, Conjuring Three. We had Spiral, you know. Before Spiral is in, in there. Yep. Uh, there's a couple other movies. I, a, a really good indie film that we're going to be talking about um, coming up. But yeah, we've had we've we're having a good run right now. Yeah, it's a great time to be a horror fan at the movie theaters. All right, now before we smoke ourselves stupid in Amsterdam and forget to tell you, we should let you know that there are spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen this film yet, go check it out and then come back here for the episode. Now we're going to kick it over to Max right after we hear from one of the other awesome shows that you can find right here on the Chatter Network. I'm Amelia Sanson. And I'm Liz Ball. And we're the hosts of The Holy Hour. A podcast where we talk about modern dating, sex, and life in general. It's like hanging out with your girlfriends who say the things you think in private, but out loud on a public podcast. So join us for The Holy Hour, a Chatter Network podcast, available wherever you like to listen. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) I like that a lot. All right, welcome back, Scream Team. Now, Max, uh, go ahead and tell us about the uh, the people behind this one. Yeah, Hostel uh, released in two thousand five. It's an hour and thirty four minutes. Uh, it is written and directed by Eli Roth, who, of course, is a prominent horror director. Uh, has been since he came on the scene. Also, really good friends with Quentin Tarantino, my man. Um, and this is his first feature film. Second, second cabin, cabin fever was cabin his fever first. was first. That movie's gross. Yeah, <laughs> that, I, I like that movie a lot better than this movie. Why? It's interesting that that I thought I thought Hustle was first, but anyways, uh, the top build cast really only two main actors in this movie. I mean, you've got other players, um, but Jay Hernandez, who again at the time of two thousand five was a was a like an up and coming actor. Everyone thought he was going to be like the next you know, action star. He did a few other things with, uh, Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. too. Like he was in some of the, like the mock trailers, uh, for death. Yeah, and, 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 uh, planet terror yeah. in the grindhouse movie. He was in that. Uh, and then Derek Richardson who plays his friend Josh, uh, as well. Again, those guys are kind of the two main people that this movie is, is real centered around. Um, uh, the budget for this movie was, uh, uh, four million over four million dollars. Wow! So okay. pretty shoestring budget. Yeah. Um, for for you know a big horror movie or release, it made almost twenty million. Uh, in the U.S., uh, around eight eighty one over eighty one million worldwide. Um, but yeah, just a interesting film, right? Because this also kind of starts the the 
uh, torture porn subgenre. Yeah. So it kind of the the term was coined after this film was released uh, because there because there was a surge in these kind of films. Uh, Saw was really the one that came before this one. Mm -hmm. uh, But torture porn hadn't been used as a term before Hostel came out. Uh, When Hostel did come out, the critics and everything that were talking about this film, they started to bring Saw into the mix, into the fold as well under that umbrella term. Uh, before this, like in the like in the eighties, these kind of films were more were more referred to as uh, splatter splatter mm. films. Mm-hmm. And Eli Roth even uh, continues to dabble in I think this this subgenre, Green Inferno. You know, you could call mm-hmm. is is a, a a type of torture porn. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, kind of kind of an interesting uh, boom that happened when after this movie and and as you said, Saw. Yeah, the Saw franchise, you know, really took off. Uh, Hostel had a couple couple sequels to it, but yeah, Saw's the one that really you know kept its legs going, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, even to this to this day now we have the spinoff with Spiral. Yeah, the premise from this movie came from um, someone had told Roth about uh, a website where you pay ten thousand dollars to fly to Thailand and shoot somebody in the head. That's well, fucked up. Yikes! That exists. It's the internet. It's the dark web. All right, so. Our film opens up with some unsettling scenes of bloody surgical instruments being cleaned and floors being hosed down while someone whistles a happy tune. Now jumping over to Amsterdam, we get to meet Paxton, Josh, and Oli. Paxton and Josh are Americans and longtime friends, and Oli is from Iceland and the newest member of the troupe who they met during their travels through Europe. The three of them stay out partying all night and miss curfew at the hostel they were staying at. Thankfully, a friendly local named Alex is awake to offer them a place to stay for the night and to make some suggestions on where they should go to find the hottest girls in Europe. This movie has aged terribly. Yeah. By the <laughs> way, if you're turning this movie on to watch it, it uh, it's got some very cringy, cringy dialogue going on uh, all throughout it. Um, but yeah, just and it also it just drips like 2005, like very the much clothes, so. the the way that they're talking, the music, like just how they're portraying these characters. Um, it just, it feels a, a, a bit of a, a time capsule. I think this is kind of like what I was bringing up to in, in our like little intro bit there about how this is really like a stereotyped, like a caricature almost of American tourists over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they're in the, the smoking bar talking about like they smoked all through college. Why do we need to be doing this now? And they get there and they're just, you know, being dude bros, like hanging out smoking. And then there's uh, Eli Roth actually makes a, a cameo in the film as uh, another patron of that bar. They look over and somebody's like smoking out of a bong and he like chokes and like spills his beer over and everything. It's a very caricaturized version. Like I'm sure there are obnoxious Americans like this that go over and it wouldn't be a stereotype if it wasn't if there wasn't some factuality behind it. Uh, but yeah, they go through the red light districts, do the sightseeing there. <laughs> they even like when they get back. This was the funny part. This was a funny part to me. I chuckled at this when they get to Alex's apartment after they're like being loud and obnoxious on the street and people are throwing bottles at him. And Alex invites him up. They get up there and there are just two people fucking on the bed, like on this bed that's in the living room. Just going at it while while everybody's like talking around them, paying no attention to what's going on. Yeah, definitely a parody of what you know Europeans are like too. I would say not only the American tourists, but like 
you know it's kind of like the american view of like yeah. what europeans are over there like so free like you know <laughs> sexually liberated and right apparently slovakia was like so mad about the way that they were depicted in this movie that uh eli roth had to give a press conference to like publicly apologize uh for his depiction of the country iceland too yeah like. <laughs> i feel like you might have done it right you know what i mean if you had to apologize then well, Alex didn't need to twist these guys' arms anymore as the boys are headed on a train east to Slovakia the very next morning. On the way there, they get to meet a very friendly businessman who tells them that for the right price, you can do anything over there. As he's eating a salad with his bare hands, he gets a little too friendly with Josh and puts his hand on his thigh, which Josh freaks out on him and the businessman leaves like kind of in a hurry. And this is kind of what you were talking about, Max, like the movie not aging well. The homophobia and the and like the the slurs that are used throughout this film now watching it it's yeah it's very cringy it's not it's not it's not a comfortable watch at least like for me no no yeah there there were multiple times where i was just like well the train arrives in slovakia and it's not a welcome sight the station is practically abandoned apart from the other passengers getting off there and it's a long taxi ride to the town they're staying in but upon arrival they end up at a pretty nice hostel and get the keys to their room there's a couple things i wanted to touch on here too the music in this film I, before I say anything, I want to I want to get your guys' view on it. What did you guys think of the score? Oh, I mean, I think it's fitting. I don't love it, but I think it I think it fits. I don't even remember what it sounded like to me. Like this, this like stuck out like a sore thumb to what? me when they when they arrive in this town. The music for some reason feels very fantastical. Mm. I felt like I was watching a Tim That's Burton fair. movie. Yeah, like it was it was kind of like over the top and very orchestral and like it had that kind of like uplifting, like fluty, like I was watching, like, like, like I said, like a Tim Burton movie. Like it felt uh. very strange, like seeing this coming from a horror film. Now, when they arrive in the hostel here, uh, one of the cool things, the nods to Quentin Tarantino, who had a hand in this film, Pulp Fiction is playing on the TV mm-hmm. uh, as they arrive. Um, another nod to a famous horror film. Did you guys catch this one? The, the room they're staying in. Oh, 237. 237, a nod to the film we covered early on in this podcast, The Shining. This reference pops up all over in in other horror movies. Yeah. You know, we had it in uh, The Gift. Mm -hmm. Uh, The hospital room they stayed in was room 237. It's a very, it's a very, it's one that gets, you know. It's a go-to. It's easy to do. It's easy. Yeah, it's easy to drop in there. It's very subtle. Speaking of Stephen King, this like slightly off topic, but Hostel 2, Stephen King is a big fan of that movie. Really? Yeah, yeah. He says that, you know, even though it's like more torture porn, it's actually like a little bit more artistic of a story. Yeah. He, he thought it was like a little bit more I don't creative. know if I've ever seen the sequels to this to this film. This is the first time I've seen this movie probably since the mid 2000s. And there are three yeah. total, right? I yes. believe so. Yeah. yeah. So the guys get up to the room and realize they've hit the roommate jackpot and are sharing the room with a pair of beautiful women named Natalia and Svetlana. I'd like to go to the dance hall. After spending time with them at the spa, they all hit the town for a wild night of drinking and dancing. Josh decides to take a break from reminiscing about his ex and heads outside for a smoke break. But before he can light up, he's accosted by a gang of children who demand bubblegum from him. Now, right as Josh is about to receive a pint-sized pummeling, the businessman from the train shows up to save him by tossing some change at them. Now Josh heads inside and buys the guy a drink as a thank you and also an apology for the way he reacted on the train. Now the guys finish the night off by heading back to the hostel with the girls and, you know, just enacting every American's fantasy about going over to Europe and just sleeping with hot European women. Yeah. 
We're just naked all the time in front of you. Yep. I've been to Europe. It's not like that. Now, Paxton and Josh wake up the next morning and only isn't back from uh, his little tryst. He had run off the night before with uh, one of the one of the friends of Natalia and Svetlana. Uh, they don't worry too much about it, though, thinking they'll see him at breakfast. Uh, but when he doesn't show up there either, the front they go to the front desk and the front desk clerk tells them that he had checked out in the morning. Yeah, dude, only in this movie. Awesome. I actually really like this character. I was sad to see him go so early. The on. king of Swain. He's really funny. Um, and I was reading that Roth actually met this guy and it's based on a real, a real person that he had met in Iceland um, named Oli. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just said he was fucking insane, as the quote goes. Well, uh, Roth had met this actor at like another, like on set for another film, I believe, and uh, liked him so much that he promised him, you know, a role in the That's next so in funny. the next film. And yeah, this is the one that he this is the one he did next. So after trying multiple ways to reach Oliam, not being successful, the the guys run into Natalia and Svetlana and start asking them, like, "Hey, did you see? Did you see him? Did you see where he went?" Uh, they said that he's probably still with his friend and they'll get in touch with him later. After talking with Natalia and Svetlana, they leave in a taxi. And just as they're leaving, uh, one of the other girls from the hostel that we saw earlier, Kana, runs up to them saying that uh, she saw Oli leave with her friend Yuki that morning. Uh, she shows them a picture of the two of them like taken in front of like a tower. Uh, so Paxton and Josh are like, hey, send that to us. She sends it to him. And they start walking around town when the gang of kids jumps out and demands bubblegum from them again. Oh, these fucking kids, dude. And just after that, Oli, t- Oli, they get a text from Oli, uh, which is a selfie saying, I go home. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it is, as we see in the next scene, because it cuts to the dungeon where we hear someone whistling a tune, just like we did in the beginning, as the camera like pulls away to reveal Oli's head sitting on a table dismembered from his body. The man in a rubber gloves and apron closes Ollie's phone and heads to another room where we see Yuki tied to a chair and he heads in there and cuts off one of her toes with a pair of bolt cutters. Ugh, just that squeamish. It's a very, it's a very long shot too. Right. Like, he like holds on the toe and like, I mean, it's bolt cutters. Ugh. It's not going to go fast, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's, it probably would, but I think, I think they linger on it and he lingers kind of to, you know, draw out the moment. And but it do definitely you have does because I remember. Do you have to let it linger? Do you <laughs> Jesus <have> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking musicians. <laughs> Back at the hostel, Paxton and Josh are talking to Kana about meeting them at the train station the next day when they were all planning on leaving. Svetlana and Natalia show back up asking them to go to the disco when Josh initially declines saying that he just wants to finally and leave. But Paxton, you know, kind of gives him a pep talk and says, hey, you know, Oli's Oli's going to show up. Backpackers do this all the time in Europe. You know, they meet up and then they go their separate ways. This isn't a big deal. We'll run into him later. Let's just go out and have fun. Yeah, bro. I want to oh go my, to the disco. No. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. We're going to the disco. I we're going to go dance on the you disco. Were gonna do it. You looked at me before you did it, and I was well, like, don't said, do it. You're stupid. He said, well, I'll go into the disco. The dub, dub. I want to go to the disco, bro. I don't want to go to the disco, bro. And sing. <laughs> at the bar, the girls are feeding Josh and Paxton lots of drinks, but Josh is not having a great time. So he says he's not feeling well and wants to go back to the hostel, and Natalia gives him a very ominous goodbye after he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, once Josh gets back, uh, he's not looking well and sees someone talking to the front desk girl as she helps him to his room and puts him in, puts him in his bed. A man walks up and stops in the doorway. Back at the discotheque, Paxton is starting to feel weird too. And on his way to the bathroom, he walks into the wrong door and passes out. I'm not going to pick on you the cooler. same way that I pick on Max. I know, but I just love looking over and seeing the look you were shooting me for that one. Mm. <laughs> I, no, Max. <laughs> and Josh wakes up in a dimly lit room surrounded by tools and a man in a rubber glove, in a man in a rubber apron and surgical mask enters. Removes the sheet from Josh's head and Josh begins freaking out, which I think is the appropriate response for, you know, kind of waking up from passing out and being surrounded by. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You almost, they almost set it up where Josh is kind of like the, the good guy, right? Like you think he's going to be the main protagonist. Well, he's definitely like portrayed as the sort of the milder of the two of them. Mm -hmm. Paxton's the very loud and boisterous one. Uh, Josh, we see throughout the film is kind of like hung up on his ex Mm-hmm. and isn't really wanting to like you know go into isn't in the mindset to go full party mode here yeah it's just uh kind oh, of he goes full party a little bit of a bait and switch <laughs> here that he gets caught first and and taken yeah. to the dungeon yeah definitely like with the way you know most most of these kind of like tropes are set up you think that josh would be the one to live through all of this and kind of save everything but, but you know josh was having such a good time oh, at the no. disco, and then no. he passed out there at the disco. Stop it. So Josh begins <laughs> to beg for his life, to, begging to be let go. And once the man removes his surgical mask, we reveal that it is actually the businessman from the train that they met before. And I love it. <laughs> I do. I like when they bring characters back that are like, and you saw him, but here he is as a fucked up character. Now, is this guy a guy who's paying? To do this, or is he like the? He's paying. No, nah, he's paying. He's he's, a, he's part paying. of the club. He's he part says of the club. He, he's not the main. No, no guy who owns the club. No way. Okay. He, I don't think so. He after his long monologue talking to Josh about well, you know why this is happening, Josh is like, um, and we're gonna get to this here in a second, but Josh is like offering to pay him like you know four mm, times, yeah, like yeah. ten times. I'll pay you. I'll pay you more than whatever you know they're paying you. And the guy's like. <laughs> You got, you got this wrong. Like I'm paying them to do this to you. Mm. Uh, during that long monologue, does he ever mention going to the disco? Oh, Matt, no, that's too many times now. We're on like that's way past the limit of times to do it during this podcast. One of the uh, the moments that really got to me on this one was the guy is like, "Oh, you want to leave? Okay," and he slashes Josh's Achilles tendons with yeah. the scalpel. And then uh, gets up and while Josh walks. is, you know, screaming in agony because the, I, that's never happened to me. But I've had friends that have ruptured their Achilles tendon and they said it's like one of the worst pains yeah. they could ever experience. Uh, the guy gets up, goes and opens the door and says, you want to leave? Leave. And right at, like right after Josh like stands up, you see it like oh, as he like goes to take his it again. step. It was gross. The, it, it gives me the willies just even you talking about it. I mean, I've talked about this before, how body like body torture and like, you know, fingernails being ripped off those kind of things, like bodily stuff, like always gives me like the sympathy pains when I watch these kind of movies. So yeah, watching this one was a lot of what a huge fucking tendon. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you're listening to this podcast, just like reach down and touch your Achilles tendon. You know what I'm saying? Imagine that being cut on both legs. 
Yeah, I'm 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 real squeamish when it comes to this kind of stuff, and and it shows it. It's tough. Yeah. yeah, it fucking shows that shit open up, and it is nasty. Mm-hmm. Now Paxton had the much tamer night, waking up in a cooler uh, back at the bar, and when he gets back to the hostel, though the front desk uh, front desk guy there has now told them that oh they checked out too, uh, but Paxton tells them no. That we never- kid is a really creepy. It was a really creepy like side character. That, he was that, a uh, very te- had a very tendon- unique way of yeah. like, speaking and stuff. I the whole time like I watched this a couple times and I was trying to figure out if this guy was in on all this too or if he was just like. Well, I think the idea is that this hostel is kind of a breeding ground for for these. It's victims, like it's right? yeah, it's they must be because this is the hostel that Alex directed them to, mm-hmm. which we'll see later that Alex is in cahoots with all of this. So uh, the front desk girl, you know when she takes Josh back to the mm-hmm. bedroom. Yeah. I think unless this guy is just like one of those ones that are like, look, we're going to hire this guy, but we're not going to tell him about what we're doing. So just like, he's, he's not smart enough to to keep the secret. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so he gets back, uh, Paxton gets back there and tells him, no, I still need a room for the night. I'm, my friends are missing. So he gets a key to the room, uh, goes back up to the room, unlocks the door and we get a little bit of a deja vu scene here because there's two beautiful women changing in the bedroom, uh, that then exit telling them, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, we're headed to the spa. Like come join us, which is exactly what happened when they arrived the first time. And so Paxton was like starting to pick up on, okay, there's something, there's something up here. So Paxton goes to the police station to try and file a missing persons report. But the officer says they'll keep an eye out and contact the hostel if they see him. But there's not a lot they can do at this point. So, yeah, after Paxton gets out of the police station, he sees Natalia walking through the streets and follows her into an upstairs bar where she's now sitting in a booth with Svetlana and another man who we actually saw like at the at the disco uh, in one of the other shots. He kind of turns around and is watching the, the two of them sit there. He's a big disco fan. He's a big disco fan. Now, they tell him uh, that they've seen Josh and he's at an art exhibit with Oli. Uh, so Paxton obviously asks where the art show is and Natalia and this guy get up and takes him to the art Why show. Why the fuck would Oli be like, after sending a text, it was like, I, went, I go home and magically be at this like art show. The whole thing's bullshit. It's not even a good lie. It's not a great lie, but he falls for it. So they drive out to a large abandoned looking factory and this man gets out and joins another group of <laughs> another group of men in leather jackets standing by parked cars. It's kind of a uniform that we'll see yeah. throughout mm-hmm. this place. So Paxton stops one of the guys that's leaving and asks him how it is in there. Uh, and the guy tells him to be careful because he could spend all his money in there. Now, the, Did you guys, uh, I don't know if you guys would happen to know this, but uh, this was a cameo by a, a another director of a, really awesome horror film did you guys pick up on this i mean i knew that he was like somebody but i'm so bad with names yeah i don't don't know what what director that was uh so this guy that walks out of there is uh takashi mike director of uh, the the film audition which is also kind of another uh torture porn film yeah a little bit that's fantastic I, i didn't realize that was that was him yeah he looks very like tired and haggard as he's leaving that place like he probably just spent a lot of money in there, <laughs> which is not great. <laughs> so Natalia walks him in, walks Paxton into the building. And as he's kind of walking through here, uh, comes across an open doorway where we see the the businessman from before standing over Josh's body, whistling with 
Josh's chest kind of like pulled open. Insane. Like, yeah, real, real graphic surgery grossness. Could you imagine just like walking through this like abandoned factory is what it essentially is. Walking through these, you know, rubbled hallways and stuff and then walking around a corner and seeing your best friend with his chest cut open. No. I mean, a little indifferent if it's Marlo, but if it was you, Derek, I would, that would be Whatever, be bro. <laughs> we really do get along on this. I don't even you. We are friends. I'm glad you at least consider me a best friend. I don't even consider you a friend. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'd pay money to torture you in there. So as Paxton's backing out of here, Natalia starts laughing maniacally, saying that she gets a lot of she's getting a lot of money for him, which makes him her bitch. Uh, just then, two big guys come up from behind, drag him through the halls and toss him into another room and chain him to a chair and turn out the lights. After a bit, another man in a butcher in butcher gear walks in with a man in a leather jacket. Now, leather guy tells butcher guy that Paxton is American. So butcher guy pays the leather guy and leather guy leaves the room. Solid names. Solid names. <laughs> I can't remember how they were credited, but like this is the I'm the sure best that's how they were credited. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the man in surgical gear gets a large pair of scissors and starts approaching Paxton and snipping at him, uh, kind of like tormenting him a little bit here, and ends up cutting off a piece of his hair, uh, puts it in a baggie, and then goes gets a large hooked instrument and starts whacking him in the shoulder with it. So after the attack, Paxton starts pleading to him in uh in German after hearing that the guy spoke German. He starts pleading to him for his life in German. So the guy leaves the room, gets the the big leather security guard, pulls him back in, and they put a uh, ball gag in Paxton's mouth to shut him up so he doesn't have to listen to him beg for his life because this guy is very nervous. Like, he's not, He's this is probably his first time. What would you guys be like if it was your first time? I would just kill you. Would you go fast with a gun, just get it done with? Or are you, you going to take your time? Is it you or is it Derek? You know what I'm saying? It's a stranger. It's a total stranger. If it's you, I'd take my time. If it's Derek, I show mercy. So after putting the ball gang in Paxton's mouth, uh, this guy is now going to up the ante and goes and grabs a chainsaw. This was actually kind of a cool, I thought it was kind of a cool shot that we get. uh, where We've got a view of the back of the chair of, you know, the back of Paxton's head as we hear the chainsaw revving up Mm -hmm. and Paxton Mm -hmm. starts to like squirm and like really start to panic because... I would too. <laughs> As he starts freaking out, Paxton begins to throw up in his mouth, but can't, you know, fully throw up because he's got the ball gag in. So the guy removes the gag, allowing him to throw up and trying to clear his airway as Paxton tries to bite at his fingers. So butcher guy grabs the chainsaw and cuts off some of Paxton's fingers while trying to like cut the, cut the handcuffs. Paxton stands up. The guy charges at him, but slips on the ball gag and like all the blood that's on the floor now the chainsaw goes flying up in the air as this guy falls and then it lands and severs this guy's leg. I, I think uh, the whole chainsaw sequence is definitely a note to uh, things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Motel Hell um, from the 80s, 70s and 80s. But uh, yeah, kind of, a, kind of a fun scene with a, with a chainsaw. So after Paxson manages to wiggle the chair out of the bolts up from the ground, he lunges over to the table and grabs a gun, shoots the butcher guy. And then the security guard that enters the room afterwards to find out what's going on. Yeah, he shoots the butcher dude right in the head. And it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So after he kills the the butcher and the security guard, he changes and Paxton changes into the outfit to kind of sneak his way out of out of this place and get the get the fuck out of here. He takes an elevator all the way to the top. 
up here, he finds himself in the locker room, sort of the changing area for these, these clients that are coming in here to, to do this to people. Uh, so he finds some nice business attire in one of the lockers and changes into that to try and get himself outside undetected. Uh, but before he can leave, another one of the clients comes into the room and sees him, you know, changed and starts asking him all these questions like, how was it? How did you, how did you do it? Did you take, did you go slow or did you do it fast? I totaled that guy too. Uh, Rick, Rick Hoffman is his name, mm-hmm. the actor, but like just has one of those faces, the way he's, you know, his voice and his cadence, even like I recognize him right away. He's just one of those guys that like shows up in like shitty horror movies or action movies. He's been in a ton of TV, um, but just a very, uh, uh, that guy, you just recognize him right he away. Actually, like bruised his temple. I read like during mm-hmm. this scene when he was like, when he takes the gun and he's asking him, oh, like, should yeah. I do it quick? And he's like bopping it against the side, <laughs> like smashing it against the side of his head. He actually like bruised his temple <laughs> during that part. Went full method. So he manages to make it out of the, out of the locker room and back down to the, the main level where he races outside and finds one of the cars unlocked with keys in the ignition. And just as he's about to leave, he hears screams coming from inside uh, screams from a woman and, his conscience gets the better of him and he heads back inside to find if you're, if you just had all this shit happen to you, you're not going back into this building. Somebody is screaming. Oh shit. Are they being tortured? Yeah. That's everybody in this fucking building. Like you don't need to go back inside. It's his character development though. He becomes the hero. He He becomes dumbass. He becomes Batman. And and he just goes back. Like it's so stupid. And then, I mean, you just get pissed off. We're not there yet, but it just makes you mad that he saved her dumbass. Right. We'll get there, Mm -hmm. but it's going to just make you mad. He went back in there and saved her. So as he runs back inside, he finds Kana uh, strapped to one of the chairs and who else, but the guy that he just encountered up in the locker room there with the blowtorch going at Kana's face and her face is fucked up. And this scene's gross, like yellow gooey stuff shoots out of her eye socket. It's nasty, man. Eyeball stuff. I cannot watch this. Yeah. So when, when he goes into the room, uh, the guy's kind of like standing in front of her. Uh, but when he moves away, we see that, you know, her, the right side of her face is all torn up now and her eyeball is hanging out of the eye socket. Mm. So Paxton shoots the guy and goes over and frees Kana but she's freaking out because she's in so damn much pain and he does the only thing he can think to do, which is cut her, cut the optic nerve there. And yeah, then all this yellow <laughs> pus starts pouring That's out nasty. of it. Side story. I had an eyeball incident this past weekend. Your eye popped out. Got my hair cut, right? Uh-huh. And if apparently if you can, if you cut your hair a certain way and at a certain length, like it becomes almost indestructible, the hair, like it like really hardens up. Bullshit. I call this bullshit. And it broke you in the eye and cut you. So a piece got in underneath my eyelid, like towards the, towards the, can't be the middle of my brow. And like, at, like a sliver went in to my eyelid, and, but I could feel it like scratching my eyeball. And like, I, I immediately knew I had something in my eye and so I was like trying to get water on it wash it out and then like it wasn't coming out because it was actually like it was stuck like the long way in my eye. This eyelid. was like a shard of scissor. No no this is a hair because 
then my friend Tim, who who was there with me, I, I gave him the, the tweezers and like we held my eye open and he slowly went in there and pulled it out just like a sliver and put it in my hand and like it was it was just a piece of hair, but it was like rock hard. It was frightening. And I thought he was going to have to cut my eyeball out. <laughs> that would freak me out. Like, yeah, <laughs> I hate eye stuff. This part, I can't watch this part. I've, I don't think I've ever seen. I've never watched it. I've always closed really? my eyes. Yeah. I, eyeball stuff really, really, really gets me. Yeah. I, I mean, eyeballs are sensitive. Thank parts you of for the body, sharing so. that. So they managed to get back outside and get into a car and start racing racing down the way being chased by one of the other cars that are parked there outside of the building from the from the drivers there now they get back into town and are driving through the streets and blocked by a car and once this once this van kind of moves he's honking his horn and the van moves uh he as the van moves he sees natalia svetlana and alex come up and start talking to them and once he sees all this we get our second pulp fiction reference come on when Bruce Willis's character sees Ving Rhames crossing the street and then floors it and runs him over. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. The, sec- the to- second totally on to Pulp Fiction right here yeah. for it. So Natalia doesn't ri- die right away when she gets run over, but she does get plowed over by the by the pursuing car. Now, as they're driving through one of the other side streets, they come across who else but the gang of little kids again. Now Paxton manages to bribe them and Yeah, uh, lucky lucky him the car they stole. He looks down and there's a fucking giant bag of candy. There's a bag and he's of like, bubblegum. Yes. So he hands it off to the kids and when the pursuing car approaches, the kids are all standing there and get out and as the guys the thugs get out and try and like, you know, threaten them to get out of the way, they just take their little little lead pipes and they were and crowbars rocks. and they crowbars like and murdered them. They, like the totally, two of them. they like smash in this joyfully, guy's head. Joyfully. Yeah. They're like yeah. chewing. They're like eating candy while they're, yeah. <laughs> while they're, they're like, you ain't got murder. no candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kill you. So they keep driving, but eventually get stuck at a checkpoint, which leads them to abandon the car and walk the rest of the way to the train station. Now, as they get there, they see a couple of the other le- leather jacket wearing men waiting there for them. And as they're walking through the crowd, kind of catches a glimpse of herself in a reflection and she kind of pauses there and looks at looks at her eye and begins to slowly walk after Paxton has now like bunkered up against a bunch of crates that are there to hide himself now she walks away she commits the act of self-sacrifice and throws herself in front of an oncoming train I mean like don't get me wrong I don't want blowtorch face either but like I ain't so shallow to jump in front of a train. So this is this is something I thought about because it at first I was like, why would you like why would you do that? Like, you know, they can like there's you can fix your face like after something like this happens. People get in horrific accidents all the time. But I started to think about it. Now was this was this like a vain like I'm killing myself because I'm so disfigured now? Or do you think this was an act of self-sacrifice knowing that they wouldn't be able to get on that train with her face in such a condition uh, and get away? No like they, they would be noticed. <laughs> no way. The why show the reflection at all. No, she was just like, I don't want to look like this. There's no way. No. When, no, I, when I had gonna, that ca- shard of hair this. in my eye on Saturday, I was ready to jump in front of a train. <laughs> okay, I'm going to counter this right here. I think it's the self-sacrifice because she knew that there was no way that she could get on that train 
You know what's not going to happen? Any trains going anywhere because a body just got run over. Do you know how long trains stop for when there's a body that hours and hours and hours what kind of self-sacrifice is that she just like fuck paxton in real life if she jumped in front of a train he never would have got to leave ever it would have taken so fucking long to do the investigation of a body being run over by a train do you think they would have stopped the train going in the other direction because that they would have stopped all trains everything would have fucking shut down and everyone would have got interviewed everyone would have been id checked Mm. yeah so well, no, she was like, my face. Dumb. Well, I'm I'm planting my flag on the self-sacrifice and the Hollywood version of it, which allows him to get away. So as Paxton is on he the train. never should have went back for her dumb ass. <laughs> that's, you know, ultimately, yeah. Uh, so back on the train, pa- uh, Paxton safely on the train. He hears the businessman from before giving that same speech that he heard uh, when they ran into him the first time when they were on the way to Slovakia about eating why he eats salad with his why he eats the salad with his hands after he hears this gets off at the same stop of as him follows him through the station and ends up closing and locking a door behind himself and follows the guy into the bathroom now while the guy is sitting on the sitting on the toilet uh paxton slides one of the elite hunting business cards under the stall door to the businessman and when he reaches for it paxton grabs his hand and pulls it over cuts off two of the guy's fingers and then bursts over into the stall dunking his head in the toilet pulling his head out long enough to like mention something to him and then slits his throat, gets back on the train to leave roll credits. Did, okay. Did you guys see the director's cut though? Ending? I did not. No, that's, that's where he steals the, the child, right? Yeah. So I, wrote, I read about it, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I, I that's, watched it. That's the only ending I saw. Oh, so this, that's oh. the real ending. I didn't see this ending where he kills the business. Oh yeah, man. that's the real ending. Oh, that's the real ending. Correct. Okay. Yeah, this the the other ending was uh, when it was shown to test audiences. They didn't they didn't think it was like a fulfilling ending. Yeah. So they went. It's back also, and, but it's not, a, but the, it's totally sets up a sequel. Yeah, but it's fucking dumb. It's not realistic at all. Here's why: because you know that I love to debunk bullshit. <laughs> But like bro dude takes a little girl who's screaming in the window of this train and he's like covering her face with his hand trying to keep her quiet. And he's like, bye. No one in their right mind is going to say boo. Like they're just going to they're not going to keep quiet on the train to be like, it's okay. I'm sure that's his daughter. Please. Like they're going to be like, bro dude just kidnapped somebody. Fucking arrest him. For sure. I, I didn't see that ending. So, yeah, that's that's the ending I saw. That's it's the terrible. Saw. Yeah, but okay. it, there is this really nice thing that happens in this ending where no, there is. This is good. Okay, he does this subtle thing where he does go into the bathroom mm-hmm. and he leaves the um, what do you call it? The thing he slits his throat with oh, the scalpel. The, the scalpel. Yeah, the scalpel. So he, yeah, he it leaves the it counter. on the counter. Yeah. So, as like so, the dude bro knows, and then he goes like out to meet his daughter, and he can't find his daughter anywhere, and then sees. Paxton with his daughter on the train and she's all screamy face and he's trying to calm her down. And he's just like, Slat Fana! Yeah. And, then and that's pff, how it ends. Credits. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know. That's I so mean, funny. I didn't know there were two different endings. I like the way that it ended up ending because it's at yeah. least believable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So, uh, likes, dislikes, perspectives. What did we, uh, what did we like about this film? What did I like about this film? I I don't know. I don't really like this film. 
yeah, I didn't I didn't find a lot of joy watching this movie. I like this movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I was I mean, never like, really scared. I was just grossed out. And yeah, well, you know, it happens. I can tell you that. And uh, so my friend asked me today when I told her that this was the podcast we were going to be recording. And she goes, what are you going to rate it on your scream scale? And I, you know, we're not there yet. I told her what I was going to rate it. And, and she was like, wow, that's a lot higher than I thought you were going to say. And I was like, you know, because I rate on if I'm actually scared from the film. And the truth is, is that when I went to Europe years later after this movie came out, I still questioned whether or not I wanted to stay in a hostel. So like that says something, you know what I mean? Even though it was not scary, the fact that I didn't, I had to like de- decide to like think about it and make a decision based on this movie if I wanted to stay in a hostel. Yeah, so, it had a lingering effect on you, which is, you know, what they aim to do with the these point. kind of films. So. so I actually enjoyed this movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, the acting could have been better, whatever. At the time when I watched it in 2005, I remember thinking it was really good because it was at that point good. I also agree that I don't think that it aged particularly well. Um, you know, like I wish that the acting had been better. Um, but that's really my only complaint. I actually, I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I've, uh, I've stayed in a hostel once before, but it was down in Portland, Oregon. So it was nowhere. So nowhere, even scarier. Yeah. Even scary. No, it was, it was nowhere near like the experience of this. Like, you know, you're not far, far away from home in a place that you don't know. Uh, so for me, like this film wasn't very scary. Like it didn't, it didn't scare me like in the way that it was intended to, because I'm not, I, I haven't gone to Europe to stay in hostels before. Uh, it did, it did cause me to cringe, uh, you know, recoil a lot at what was going on because like I said before, the body stuff, you know, really gives me the, the sympathy pains, uh, causes me to, you know, recoil at that kind of stuff, which, you know, is probably the intended effect, the intended effect that they were going for with those shots. So in there they got they got that part right. Uh, what about dislikes? Oh, I kind of added my dislikes in there. I just I, Max says yes. He I did mean Max too. Max was kind of yeah. Your dislikes. Like I don't think I had any likes. One. Yeah, you didn't have <laughs> likes. Yeah, you just had dislikes. Uh, yeah, I just think I think the acting could have been a lot better. Yeah, I think the acting it was it, like I said before it was a very uh, characterized version of you know American characters over in Europe. Uh, I you know didn't care for you know the homophobia the racial slurs or the homophobic slurs or any of which that sadly stuff. was like not that bad in 2005 like you would not have batted an eye at that shit in 2005 and it's like so fucked up yeah a hundred percent uh now i wanted to throw in a couple of perspectives here from my filmmaking side because while this film is you know very gratuitous uh, didn't age well. There were some things that were really cool in this film. Uh, so one of the things I loved was the the sort of parallel voyeuristic aspects of the brothel and slaughterhouse scenes. Uh, so in both scenes, uh, so I'm talking about in the very beginning when uh, Josh Paxton and Oli are you know out on their town for the uh, right after we first see them, they're out on the town. They're going to the uh, they go to the brothel, the red light district. Uh, the other scene that I'm talking about here is when Paxton uh, gets taken to the art show, quote unquote, 
by Natalia and he's walking down that hallway to where he sees Josh. Uh, both these characters are walking down the hallways, getting glimpses into rooms with that are sort of like extreme depictions of each of these acts, sex and violence. Uh, you know, Josh is walking through the hallway. He's seeing, you know, sort of the silhouettes of the people in the rooms, you know, doing the sex acts. Uh, Paxton's going down, you know, being dragged through these halls, like, and we see the acts of, you know, extreme violence being, you know, enacted upon these people. Uh, the brothels are brightly lit while the slaughterhouse is very dark. And one of the other things that I loved here is Natalia's appearance and demeanor gets uglier as the film goes on sort of as you start to like see what her character, who her character really is. Mm -hmm. So she becomes, you know, less of that, you know, more of a monster. Yeah, exactly. More of a monster. Yeah. So let's kick it over to Kristen for now her favorite, favorite part of this. I don't like that intro. I was just throwing it up. We can do do better on that. We can do better. Kill, kill, kill. Um, yeah, this is, this is my favorite part. Let's talk about death. Guys, who did you like to see die the best? Max. Lots and lots of death in this movie. 14 total. 14 total. We see 14? We see 14. Um, well, you know what? I'm going to pick the most controversial one. And it's, I'm starting to think that, uh, Derek's right that she sacrificed herself uh, and jumped in front of the train and got ran over. I like that. Derek has swayed me. I'm I'm waiting for the rebuttal here. I hate that that's what you... I think you just picked it to piss me off. You're dead to me. Derek, (laughs) what about you? Um, You know, I'm going up. I'm going to go ahead and pick... I was really tempted to pick Josh's death here because it's so drawn out. Uh, you know, the Achilles tendon being sliced. He's fucking drilled into. He, yeah. He gets his, the guy drills into his like thighs and his chest, chest. Yeah, it's uh, before going and revealing that he's actually the businessman and then goes and slits his, you know, Achilles tendons, tendons yeah, yeah. you know, draws it out, lets him, you know, try and crawl for the door before you know coming up and slitting his throat with the scalpel uh but i think i'm gonna go ahead and go with the uh with the come up on skill here and the death of the businessman at the very end at the hands of paxton yeah nobody wants to be in a toilet bowl that's the one death i didn't see <laughs> that's right because yeah, you didn't right. watch yeah. that ending you didn't see that ending. uh i'm gonna go with i I always choose the way I'd least like to die. And there are so many ways I would least like to die in this movie. Um, But death by crowbar from children seems pretty fucking terrible. I'm not going to lie. By a gang of kids beaten to death. That seems pretty bad. Yeah, I would not like that. Wouldn't that wouldn't be fun because you would you wouldn't expect that to happen. It definitely subverts your expectations. Yeah, you go out like a punk getting killed by kids. Yeah. (laughs) All right. For the new people in the room, after we talk about these films, we got to give them a rating. And on this podcast, we use the Scream Scale. For the uninitiated, the Scream Scale is a scientifically perfected system where we award the films that we watch a number of screams from one to ten. So without further ado, Kristen, how many screams are you giving Hostel? I'm giving it six. I feel pretty good about it. It's not great. It's not bad. I liked it. 
Okay. Max, how about you? I don't like this movie. I uh, was never scared, just grossed out. I'm giving it a uh, 3.14. All right. Yeah, it's not it's not a great like a great one for me. It's definitely that cringy uh body pain sympathy, like the sympathy pains for me. It was never a really frightening thing. It was just sort of that you know you're expecting to see you you know what you're expecting to see when you get into this kind of film which is probably you know maybe that's why i've only seen the first saw movie like i've never seen any of the sequels or well, but at least like that. i feel like the saw movies are at least creative in in the way they kill um their, their victims <laughs> uh and, I mean, yeah, and they the have jigsaw one, so. as like it's a, a different story a we're not villain. talking about saw right now yeah i know i'm just saying Comparing but the two, comparing, yeah, it's probably it's probably not a fair comparison. I'm sure we we've kind of talked about you know how we're going to handle big franchises going forward on this podcast, and we have a few ideas. So I'm sure we're going to get to the point where I'm going to sit and watch all these Saw movies. Uh, but that's not uh, for this part. For this part, I'm talking about Hostel. I didn't I didn't terribly care for it, and like we were we've been talking about the whole time, you know, the homophobia, the homophobic slurs were not fun to. <laughs> to like have pop up here the film doesn't age well i'm i'm giving it five screams all right guys so we just made our july picks last week but if you haven't seen it yet our first film up in july is going to be Kristen's pick of the 2021 film the gin not to be confused with the toby hooper's 2013 film of a slightly similar name he actually released a movie called gin i didn't know that yeah uh, so, Christian, as we mentioned in the picks, Max and I got to see this one at the Grand Cinema's Weird Elephant Showcase a few weeks ago. Uh, I wanted to know how you found out about this one and what drew you to pick it. I like to Google scary movies. Can we do one where you don't sound like you just got hit in the head with a hammer? No. That's why I said it like that. <laughs> can we do kill count again? I'm not, I'm not going to do a retake. That's what okay. I do. I Google scary movies. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I read the, I read the, you know, like what the movie was about and it sounded cool. I was like, I'm into that. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was bold of you to, you know, do another blind pick after, after uh, May's disastrous picks. Yeah. But this one, Max and I can attest that this is actually a, a decent horror this movie. It's a really fun movie. I You're, would love it if all three of us could watch Jin together. All right. So, guys, next week's film is The Jin. And if you want to know what other films are coming down the line to chime in about them, ask us a question or anything else, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at Scream Team Pod is the name as well as on Facebook. And you already know that I can never gush enough about how awesome the other shows on the Chatter Network are. As I tell you every episode, you should all absolutely go to thechatternetwork.com today. Not only can you find a full list of the shows in the Chatter family, but you can find out exactly where to find them out there in this vast ocean of the internet. If you don't already have a preferred home for your pods. Our show comes out every Friday, so go find something else to listen to, you, listen to while you wait for the next one. That being said, we love you all so much and appreciate the support that we've had so far, but we want to keep growing. And the best way for us to do that is having you guys subscribe to the show, rate it and share it with your friends. For a small show like us on a growing network like ours, word of mouth is the best kind of advertising we can have because it means that you're enjoying what we do so much that you have to tell other people in your life that they should be enjoying it too. Hashtag spread the screams. 
Well, thank you both so much for being awesome co-hosts, as always. And Scream Team, if you're traveling through Eastern Europe anytime soon, make sure you pack that big bag of bubble gum to bribe the child street gangs. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of the Silver Screams podcast. Once again, I am Derek. I'm Kristen. And I'm Max. And we'll so catch you, you at the disco. No, no, Max, we'll catch you no. next time. Stay spooky, Scream Team. <laughs>